Welcome to Coffee Talk with Linda. I'm Linda Davis. Thank you for joining me today. A little bit about myself before we get started. I love Jesus. I love coffee. And I love sharing both. So go grab your cup and let's talk. It's the beginning of the year. Every January, we get excited for what lays before us, right? We're committed. It's the new year, and we are committed to our possibilities, to our potential in the new year. This year is going to be different, is what we think. We're going to do things differently. We're going to see things differently. We're going to have different outcomes than we had in the previous year. That's really called hope. That's what causes us, motivates us for change, to keep going, to get better, to turn the corner. And we are going to fulfill all we are meant to fulfill in the new year. That is our mindset in January. It slowly, for the most part, starts a process of diminishing as the year continues on. And it goes from being 100% on board in January to being in the month of December and wondering how we missed it, wondering where we missed it, wondering why are we the same as we were last December, or even worse, why are we in a worse condition than we were last December? And that truthfully is disheartening. It can bring discouragement, despair, depression, all those things, depending on the level of how your year went, good or bad. But most times we look back in December and if we journaled in January, which is a really, really good idea, put it down so you can visually see it. They actually have these things called vision boards that people do. That's a great idea. Some kind of visual that you can go back to. Because our intent right now here in January is that we are going to fulfill all that we were meant to fulfill this year. But truthfully, what happens? What ends up happening? Because see, this is the truth. Let's look at look, let's look at it in the physical aspect. Gym membership is significant in January. And gyms know this, they run their specials in January. But gym memberships spike every January. And truthfully, when you are motivated in January to have the new physical you, that's why when you go into a gym, they don't want you to pay month by month. They want you to sign a contract. And typically it's for at least a year. Why? Because they know people are going to quit. They know people are going to give up. They know people are gonna lose motivation. I actually looked it up and gym membership increases 40% in January. That's a pretty big jump. But then by May, 80% 
who joined in January have already quit. Now, a lot of them are locked into a contract, so they're still paying the money, but they're not getting the results. They're not going. They're not working out. It's the same thing as, you know, we're motivated in January. We start journaling. We all, how many churches call a fast in January? And then do you fast any other time of the year, right? We call a fast because we want things to be different. We want to show God we're hungry for you. We crave for you. We desire you. Now, what we need to really do if we want true change in our lives, true destiny fulfillment in our lives is in May, June, July, August, we need to show the Lord then. We need to cry out to the Lord then. I'm hungry for you. I crave for you. I'm desperate for you all year long. That's when we see the signs and the wonders and the miracles that are prophesied in January. They're prophesied in January because that is the word of the Lord. That is what God desires to do. It is what he longs for in our, per, in our personal lives and in our corporate lives. It's what he longs for. It's our follow through that is lacking. And so if you find yourself being skeptical as you're hearing the word of the Lord in January again, and it sounds familiar to you, now, this is really good right here. It sounds familiar to you. And you find yourself thinking, I heard this last year. They were prophesying miracles last year. They were prophesying signs and wonders last year. They were prophesying promotion last year. And now you're hearing it again. Maybe it's because sometime in the year, Something slowed you up. Something distracted you. Something deterred you. Something discouraged you. Something caused you to either sit down or to stop walking or to just move slower. We all know at the end of the year and going into the beginning of a new year that we didn't see things come to pass that we desired to see come to pass. We know that. Maybe there were great things in the year, but was it fulfillment? Because I don't believe God is a God that lacks. He's not a God that doesn't fulfill what he said he's going to fulfill. And we blame him a lot of times, or we blame everybody around us. And if it truly is everybody around us, maybe we need to change the circle around us. Maybe. We have to realize some of it is on us. When we didn't see the things to come to pass, we have to reflect and understand it's on us. God did not send forth his word and not perform his word. Either, truth be told, we conjured up the word and it was never God in the first place. We don't want to hear that one. Maybe it was a thought we had and we made it a word. That's a little intense right there. But maybe it was a thought we had and we made it a word. And if that's the case, we better go back and ask God again, was that you or was that me? And there's nothing wrong with humbling ourselves to do just that. As a matter of fact, 
David inquired of the Lord all the time. First Samuel chapter 23. And then I believe also I'm going to go to Acts 10. So in first Samuel chapter 23, David inquires of the Lord. Verse two. So David inquired of the Lord because there was trouble, because there was concern. And when we're in a place of trouble and concern and maybe even confusion, if we're honest, we got to inquire of the Lord. Show me the truth of this situation. What am I missing in this Lord? Or what do you, maybe you haven't missed anything. What are you trying to show me in this Lord? I don't believe that anything in our life is happenstance. I don't believe that. And so when there's trouble surrounding us, when we feel like we're being overtaken by the enemy and there is an enemy, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness trying to devour us. The enemy roams around like a roaring lion, just seeking whom he can devour. He's looking to take you out. He's looking to take me out. So David is in this situation in 1 Samuel 23. It says, then they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. So David, what does David do? He doesn't go seek his counsel. He doesn't call the elders. He doesn't bring in a circle. And there's not anything wrong with any of those. They have their positioning in our life. And I'm going to get to that. They have their positioning and they are vital. But our first inquiry every time should be of the Lord. It should be of the Lord. Do we go to the Lord first? David did. He inquired of the Lord in verse two of 1 Samuel 23. Shall I go? He's asking the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him. The Lord will show us the way. The Lord will answer us every time. And the Lord said, go, David, go smite the Philistines, take them out. I'm paraphrasing a little here (laughs) and save Keilah. That's the original word. That's the initial word. God spoke to David. And this is something we have happen in our lives, too, especially in leadership. We hear the word of the Lord. We go to the people around us that that word includes that word involves. And you have to understand when somebody hasn't directly heard what you've heard, they don't have the same understanding that you have. And so David goes to his men. Now they're very concerned and they respond to him in verse three. David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. And you can go to your people, your circle, And tell them what the Lord said. And they may not respond how you're expecting them to respond. They may have concern. They may have fear like David's men did. They may have doubt, skepticism. So David's men are still talking to him. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines, that they see themselves having no possibility of victory. And so I like what David does here. And there's nothing wrong with leadership doing this. When your people are genuinely concerned, those involved are genuinely concerned, 
Give them the honor and the respect as being part of your team, part of your leadership, that you will go back and seek the Lord again. David was a humble leader, and he really shows it here. He had two ways of responding here. He could have said, if I hear from the Lord, you need to know that I've heard from the Lord, and you need to just take what I say as truth, and that I've heard from the Lord, and you need to put your life on the line for what I heard from the Lord. He did not respond that way. That's arrogant, actually. That's saying you can never miss it. And we are all human. We've seen in David's life, he missed it at times. Can we raise our hand if we have honestly never missed it in our lives and our walk with the Lord? We can't ever say that. None of us. And this is a humble leader right here in David. We should all have this humility to say, you know what? What you just said, I'm taking it back to the Lord because I want to be sure before I ask you to do something costly, when it, before I ask you to do something that could cost you everything, even the air you breathe, I'm going to make sure it was God speaking. And that's what in humility David does. Verse four. Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. God wasn't aggravated with him here. I mean, he has his original word just a few verses back. God told him, go, David, smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And because of David's love and compassion for his men, he goes back and asks the Lord again. And the Lord answers him because he knows David's heart in asking him again. Remember, the Lord always is looking upon our heart. David's not acting out of fear. David's not acting out of doubt. He's simply acting out of humility and concern. And God promises him again the same thing. He doesn't say, didn't I tell you? He doesn't say, oh, how long do I have to be with you? Like Jesus addressed the disciples when they were lacking faith. That's none of his response to David here because he knows the heart. I will deliver the Philistines. I will deliver them into your hand. So on that word, David and his men act and they fight the Philistines and they win and they get the plunder of their cattle. And David and his men do exactly what God originally said, and they save the people of Keilah. So now you go along a little further, and Saul finds out where David is, and he summons his men to go to war because he wants to take David out or capture him. And David somehow gets word. It's not real clear how, but he gets word that Saul's plotting evil against him, and he sends a priest to bring the ephod here. And David prays to the Lord again. And he's just pouring his heart out to him. Like we're down in about verse 10 here. And he's letting God know that he's heard that Saul intends to come and destroy the city on David's account. And so David knows this is conflicting to the original word because God said David was gonna free and save Kayla. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this city right, but. And now Saul's going to come destroy it only because David's there. So David sees that this is a conflict with the word God has given him. So he's, that's why he's seeking the Lord on this. 
And so he wants to know, and you have to be detailed when you go to the Lord and you're looking for answers, because I'm going to show you here how God answers the question David asks. He doesn't give him a lot of other detail. He answers the question David asks. So it's down in verse 11. David is asking God, will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? So Saul's coming because of me. Even though I've just saved these people, are they going to give me up to Saul who's coming to kill me? Lord God of Israel, I need to know. Tell your servant. And he's only asking, are they going to deliver me into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, Saul's coming. Will Saul come down? David asks him. God answers, he will come. (laughs) He does actually, I kind of missaid it there. David asks two questions. God answers one. He does ask, will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand in verse 11? And then he does ask, will Saul come down? as your servant has heard. And the Lord says he will come down, but he doesn't answer the other questions. So David asks him again, and I just want you to see it's okay to go back. It's okay to get clarity. So in verse 12, David asks, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into Saul's hand? The Lord says they will deliver you up. Now, why did, I don't know why I don't have the answer to that. But when David didn't get his full answer, he asked the Lord again. And God basically is telling him here, get out and get out now. Get out while the getting is good. And so, you know, why, why previously was God with him and they took out all the Philistines and freed the people and now Saul's coming and he's going to be given up to Saul. If he hadn't inquired of the Lord, what hardship would David have experienced that would have been unnecessary had he simply inquired of the Lord? So it's so important to know what God is saying, know what God is doing. And David and his men book it basically. And they leave and they head to the wilderness before Saul gets there. And now Saul's seeking him out every day, but yet God's keeping David hidden, yet David has to be on the run. So some things that take place in our life that aren't necessarily great, aren't necessarily out of the will of God, he is strengthening us. He is um, building our faith, building our ear to hear his voice, building our eyes to see as he sees. And we have to trust those seasons. And we have to just stay in that place that God has us. David knew that Saul was coming out to seek him. And somehow, for some reason, if David was on one side of the mountain, Saul was on the opposite side of the mountain. God protected him, even in the wilderness, even on the mountain. And God will send those to bring you a word of encouragement while you're in the wilderness. God will bring those, like I was saying earlier, you know, not that you don't need Other people, not that you don't need circles, not that you don't need counsel in your life, not that you don't need a friend, a covenant relationship to um, strengthen and encourage and lift one another up, especially in your wilderness moments. And Jonathan was that to David. And he was actually Saul's son. 
But he went into the woods to find David and he strengthened his hand in God. God will line you up. God brought Jonathan out to David to strengthen him and give him a word in that wilderness moment. Saul said to him, fear not, the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. God was saying, I will keep you hidden as long as necessary. You have a destiny, you have an anointing. Because you inquire of me, it will be fulfilled. So sometimes when things in the year, end of the year, didn't go how we thought that when the beginning of the year, you know, we have to check on ourselves. We also have to inquire of the Lord. Because some things are God's hand, not our hand. And some things are our lack. So we really have to have discernment and wisdom to understand which they are. That's why you'll hear me say many times, and especially in your wilderness moments, you have to ask God to show you the truth of the situation. Saul didn't get to David. God set up a situation to draw Saul away from David. He had to return home from pursuing David because the Philistines were making a raid on Saul's land. So God had it all along. It was covered all along. And if he did that for David, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for me. He'll do it for all of us. We just have to continually inquire of the Lord And I wanted to just uh, close with this. And actually I said, um, I said Acts 10, but I actually think it's in Acts chapter 16. I'm just looking real quick because I hadn't hadn't called it up. Hadn't even thought about going into Acts, but um, basically, you know, God redirects, he redirects Paul's steps. And Paul had a plan to go in and preach the gospel and God blocked it. And Paul was willing to allow him to block it. And a closed door can be frustrating, but when that takes place, there's always a significant open door around the corner, always. We have to discern when God's moving us in a new direction. Like with David, he told him to get out. We have to be able to understand and hear that. I believe it's in verse 6 of Acts 16. Paul and Silas passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the word in the province of Asia. God forbid them. You know, he was on his way doing the thing of the Lord, and God had forbidden them to step in. So, you know, it's kind of like, I guess we can look at it this way. You know, we're going on a certain path. We're going on, we're on a certain road. Uh, We're doing the will of the Lord. We're walking in in the path that God has led us in. And all of a sudden we hit a wall and we know it's got to stop. We know the direction has to be changed. No matter all we put in, no matter how hard the labor was, when God says go left and we thought we were supposed to go straight, we have to go left when he says go left. When he says go right, we have to go right. That's what's going to birth the signs, the wonders, and the miracles of this year. Is being allowed to be redirected. Being 
uh, allowed to run into the wilderness if you have to run into the wilderness right after a victory if it doesn't make sense. Let God direct your steps. Right? Proverbs 3 tells us that he'll do that. God's ways are always above our ways. His direction will always lead to victory. Always. Twice he redirected him. He was actually positioning him for something he had for him to do. So we have to yield to that in our lives. After after Paul, and I, I think it's earlier, after Paul allowed himself to be redirected, then he gets a vision from God. Then he knows where he has to go. After he allowed his path to be changed from doing the father's business anyway. So we've got to allow ourselves, we've got to yield our hearts to that, to being redirected, to allowing God to do whatever exactly it is God may want to do. That's key in seeing everything fulfilled in our lives. If God has said it, he will bring it to pass. He'll redirect it. We have to stand. We have to surround ourselves with those who will stand with us. We have to know if God has said it, We have to make sure at different times to inquire of the Lord again. Did he say something different? Am I to leave now in this place of a good thing, good victory? There's nothing wrong with going back and checking with God and re-looking at something. Or when the spirit of the Lord shows up in your life, whispers in your ear, you need to change your path right now, then you need to change it. Maybe you feel like changing your path and he's telling you you need to stand on it. We need to hear the voice of the Lord clearly. And we need to step when he says step, stand when he says stand, turn when he says turn. And as we do these things, we will see signs, wonders, and miracles. 